This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 6. This is Writing Excuses. The world building revolves around me. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And I'm Dan. And we have special guest star Max Gladstone. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you for coming. Max, introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your books. Hi, I'm Max. I guess Brandon just mentioned that. I I write books, uh, the craft sequence of novels, Three Parts Dead, Two Serpents Rise, and Full Fathom Five so far, that are set in a kind of post-industrial fantasy land where you have gods with shareholders committees and wizards with pinstripe suits and corporate magic being played out on an intercontinental scale. Awesome. Now, you pitched this topic to us. The world building revolves around me. Explain to us what you mean by this. So I find it really interesting in fantasy and science fiction universes where you can tell that the world building is set up to place a certain small set of characters at the core, at the Mm -hmm. axis. Star Wars is a great example of this. The Jedi are sort of the center of everything, especially in the original trilogy. Um, If you're not a Jedi, you're kind of on the periphery. It's all about Luke and the Emperor and and, and Darth Vader. Now, it can get very scary to be living in a world where you're not the hero, where you're not the person, one of the seven people in the universe who has a destiny. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there are all sorts of interesting dramatic possibilities that come from focusing on characters who aren't really at the center of the universe. That's one of the things that I think Han Solo brings to the first series of Star, uh, Star Wars movies. He's this person who's outside the epic destiny, who's free right. to be a little bit more interesting. Now, would you say that this is a foible that people should watch out for, or more just something to be aware of when you're doing, or, or what? I'd say it's a, it's a feature of the landscape, especially uh-huh. of the epic fantasy landscape. People are working in a uh, sort of Campbellian monomyth space, right, mm-hmm. where you have the person who, goes, who leaves town and goes and meets the dweller on the threshold and goes into the underworld and finds mm-hmm. the golden fleece, grail, magic, amulet thing and then comes back out and finds you know if if you're on that wheel then you are engaged you can be unintentionally building a world that is privileging some people because they have magic powers because they have Mm -hmm. the destiny because they're the one who's set out to to find the magic this is like the magical one percent right exactly the magical one percent that's a great title for this (laughs) (laughs) start again we are the unmagical 99 percent um but what you're talking about where it's sometimes more interesting to step outside of those people uh when we were talking about this earlier uh, it reminded me of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is basically the tale of Hamlet told from these two-bit players, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who come on, take a message, and then go away, and later you hear that they're dead. And the play mm-hmm. shows us everything that happens in the interstices <laughs> between right. what's going on with Hamlet. And 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 I do think that sometimes when you when you can show how people are shaped and affected by these big events that aren't, you know, that mm-hmm. that aren't part of their story, but they still get trampled by. Yeah, absolutely. I'm reading right now. Um, uh, I'm re- reading right now the Bone Clocks by um, David Mitchell, and it's a wonderful and weird book. I'm not quite done with it yet, but the conceit of it is you have this 
very straightforward urban fantasy plot that's happening almost entirely in the background of this book about people growing up and falling in love and falling out of love and being horrible human beings. And, you know, you'll go through an entire story about this young student at Cambridge who is an utter sociopath mm -hmm. and is doing a very uh, talented Mr. Ripley sort of play on all of his right. wealthy aristocratic peers. And then only at the very end, he's recruited into this mysterious secret society of evil people. <laughs> but that's it. That's the end of the story. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of getting these skipping stone views right. into this world in which you have some people who are the special folks. But everybody else ends up being much more interesting than the people with the magic powers. You know, we're talking about this. and it's, All the examples I'm thinking of are humor. Not that it's the only way to do it, but it seems like this is just fertile ground for making fun of tropes, um, because one of one of my favorite versions of this is actually by one of Howard's webcomic friends, uh, the guy who drives, drives Sheldon, and in it he has an entire sequence about the Klingon hairdresser, <laughs> because he, he's like Klingons got to have all these people. You never meet them. Who is the Klingon hairdresser, and who is that like? And then he spun it into the Vulcan party planner um, and things like this, and like the people that would because the world is built to focus on these few individuals who are, you know, the warrior society and things like this, they going and taking a few steps further and saying, wait a minute, what what do they do about the normal things in society immediately comes humorous to us. That's a, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, yeah. I was going to say red shirts. Yes. To red John Scalzi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in another way, um, Mike Ford's the, oh gosh, I'm, for, I'm spacing on the name of his Klingon novella, but this is John M. Ford who wrote a couple of Star Trek novels right. and the World Fantasy mm -hmm. award-winning novel of Dragon Waiting. Um, but he wrote a book that was sort of defined the way that people looked at the Klingon yeah. culture because when he came to it, Klingon was like the warrior race that was yes. doing creepy stuff out over right. there. And so he built a world of Klingon chess players and politicians mm -hmm. yeah. and prize cooks that then became amazing. The final reflection, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, the whole Jim Hines and Goblin Quest is basically doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the one of the things we tell ourselves all the time is that uh, you know when when we're creating uh, a world, when we're creating characters, uh, everybody is the hero of their own story. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that you are the hero of your own story up until the point that you run into a Jedi Knight, and then you realize, oh, maybe I'm really not, or up until the point that you realize, you know, you run into a Jedi Knight, and yeah, you're pretty awesome. But I'm still the hero of my own story. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's two paths. There's yeah. a wonderful potential for Frisian there and for character development, like the Gotham Central comic series, which is focusing on the, on the detectives in the Gotham City police force. Right. And they run into Batman occasionally, but most of it is like beat copping and detectiving in this mm -hmm. world that Batman just occasionally is swooping by over in the night. And everyone's terrified of him. There's another great yeah. example from the comics. I can't remember what the original series was called, but uh, it, it started out as humor, uh, which Brandon mentioned is such fertile ground for this. And they were the construction crew whose job was to uh, live in Manhattan and rebuild all the buildings that the superheroes broke when they oh, fought each other. Cool. And it was really funny. And then it eventually became they were the villains behind the massive year-long Civil War storyline in which it you know the, we'd been watching superheroes fight each other over civil rights for a year and you know captain america and iron man at each other's throats that was all orchestrated by these guys because they wanted more business so they tricked them into 
destroying everything. <laughs> and it became a very dramatic thing that grew out of this funny joke. There's, um, there's another example of, of doing this dramatically, which is uh, Patrick Rothfuss has a novella, which is a slow regard, The Slow Regard of Silent Things, uh -huh. in which a secondary character of his yes. um, is the only character in this novella, and it's showing what her day-to-day -day life is like. And it's incredibly compelling, and there's a great deal of pathos in it, but it has absolutely no bearing on the main plot of the novel. Mm -hmm. um, it's just very much about her internal life. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc we're going to do our book of the week max is actually going to tell us about one of his books so the book is three parts dead and it's the first book in the craft sequence it's about a junior associate in an international necromancy firm who's been hired to resurrect the dead god okay so pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as is, as happens. That old trope again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pulling out the old standards. The chestnuts always Way slam. Way to go back to the well. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was really um, impressed back in 2008 when the United States economy exploded spontaneously at how you could have a traumatic experience for an entire country and really an entire world that didn't result in any smoking craters in the near term. It wasn't like I could go to Wall Street and see the burned out wreckage of J.P. Morgan. Something weird had happened on a non-physical plane affecting ostensibly people that were ostensibly immortal, sort of, um, that had suddenly resulted in trillions of dollars just disappearing or going up in smoke. And the reaction that a lot of financial journalists seemed to be having to it at the time was this sort of religious terror, as mm -hmm. if... The, their world system was collapsing or crumbling or, or cracks had appeared in the, in the walls. And I thought, wow, so if we just refigure this where we have organizational entities as basically gods in the old school D&D sense where you have belief and prayer and sacrifice and then you get benefit back from that, well, gods die sometimes just like organizations die. And what happens when the organization dies? You bring in the bankruptcy people to carve it open on the slab, pull out mm -hmm. the stuff that isn't working, tie it all back together, wire it up, and hook it up to the lightning generator and get them to go. And one thing that Max has not mentioned is that uh, his writing or recently earned him a Campbell nomination. Yeah. He was one of the finalists this year in London. That was really you, great. So did you get to join the ranks of Campbell losers like myself? I did, yes. Awesome. Yeah. It's an we honorable coterie. You know. Fist yeah. bump. I, there yeah, we yeah, go. He's sitting next to Mary, though, because she won it. La. Yeah, we're not allowed. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do the we're not worthy sort of thing over here. All right. Well, you can go get uh, Fair Listener uh, uh, along with me. I, I now want this. You've sold me on it, Max. Awesome. Uh, Three Parts Dead by Max Gladstone. It's read by Claudia Ehrlich. 
uh, audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a trial membership and uh, have this one read to you for free. And boy, it sounds like great fun. Well, I think, yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, Mary, earlier you said, uh, you know, in talking about uh, world building, you know, where the world building is, you know, centered around one tiny group, you said, you know, the magical 1%. Mm-hmm. And here now we are talking about, in Three Parts Dead, the, the magical, magical 1%. 1%. Exactly. Well, this, um, is, this is something that I'm working on as I'm building out this series. The first book is focusing on a sort of trainee necromancer in this way. The second book is focusing on somebody who doesn't have access to those sorts of magical powers. And so the setting, which I had conceived as this wonderfully mm-hmm. fun romp, right. turns into this horror setting because you have these people running around who can warp space and time and bring zombies back from the, the dead. And the Occupy crap. Sith Temple. Yeah. <laughs> there's um, there's a, a, a history uh, buzz phrase called history from beneath, which is mm-hmm. the idea of reporting history from... The people who are marginalized, like the uh, the dairy maids, mm-hmm. the, um, the the slaves, the, um, the 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 weavers, the, the milliners, the milliner assassins, um, <laughs> and and I think that one of the things that we're talking about here is that that this is also an opportunity that when you have a world that is built around this this one uh, percent that looking at all of the people or who are around it can give you a, not only a, a fuller, richer world, but also more potential for conflict. Right. Um, and, and also looking at your fiction and realizing that if you do not have those people, they don't necessarily have to be a main character, but that if you don't have them, this may represent a weakness in your world building. Right. This is the mm-hmm. topic I was going to bring up next, which is the idea that in most cases we want to treat the world building like a character meaning we want to show different facets of the society and world in order to stay away from melodrama, where melodrama defined by me is where each character expresses only one emotion or where your world expresses only one tone. Now, that actually can work in some books. Some stories are about one tone, let's laugh at it, here you go. But even in a book like that, Pratchett's work is often like this, when you get the stark differences... That's where you get the poignancy of a Pratchett work, which is one tone, one tone. By the way, look at this for a minute. Be horrified at what you've been laughing at. Okay, now we'll go back and we can laugh some more. Um, When you're building a great big epic fantasy story or epic science fiction story, it becomes more and more important to see through the eyes of some of these people in order to keep you from parodying yourself. Well, let's go back and look at the the very first example of Star Wars. Han Solo was the everyman character in the original mm-hmm, series. Mm-hmm. He was the one people latched onto that they felt connected to. One of the biggest problems of the prequels yeah. is that there was no Han Solo in yeah. it. There was mm-hmm. no everyman. Mm-hmm. There was nobody from outside of the system that we could relate to. You know, the, most who, who's your favorite character in Lord of the Rings? Right, it's For Sam. Most people right. it's Sam, Sam. Yeah. because mm-hmm. he's that everyman. He's just a gardener. He's just like us. You know, you've uh, you've raised a couple of examples where uh, the everyman character is, you know, running along with the quest and mm-hmm. is part of the heroic action. If you look at the uh, uh, some of the uh, large, uh, the epic thriller uh, Tom Clancy novels, mm-hmm. you will often drop into, uh, well, I mean, they're usually written omniscient, but you will yeah. drop into the point of view of somebody who really has no bearing on the main action just so we can see what happens when the shrapnel is flying and get a sense of 
how incredibly destructive you know this invasion was or you know this attack was or whatever and I just I bring it up because that's a completely different way to handle it um, and and every time Clancy got to those points uh, the the touchstones with those characters were very interesting you know oh this is a neat character oh look at the thing that they're getting to watch oh I hope they don't die mm. I mm. I real I all of a sudden like this person really engaged with them because they're more like me. Yeah. Fairy tale structure does this a lot too actually. You have the experience of this person who's not privileged by the by the plot who's stumbling into crazy magical stuff whether it's Hansel and Gretel or mm. honestly I think Die Jack Hard Tales. has the same structure. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Jack Tales exactly. Mm -hmm. You know in in Die Hard you have yeah. John McClane just sort of stumbles into this enormous schemey terrorist stealing robbing plot mm -hmm. and he's just the guy who's trying to figure his way out through the woods right right i've never heard john mcclane and samwise gamgee compared so brilliantly <laughs> but they really do fulfill the same role in the plot yeah. they Sam's both just trying spend yeah. time barefoot the, yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And their their character arc is both centered around dealing with the girl they have a crush on. Mm -hmm. And there's a tower. There's a tower? <laughs> and the Yippie Kaye. Yippie Kaye! Uh, okay, we're <laughs> we're degenerating quickly. Um, but I'm gonna say this was an awesome topic. I wanna thank Max for coming on. And actually we had two writing prompts. I wanna hear Max's before we started. Let's go ahead with yours. Oh, great, sure. Well, thank you first very much for having me on. Honored to be here. And um, so this is, Howard was telling me this is more of a story seed than a writing prompt. That's so just seeds. fine. Um, so think about the last time you lost at a game, video game, board game, poker, whatever. What was the sort of process of thought and emotion that led up to that loss? Did you overplay your hands? Did you outsmart yourself? Did you just couldn't keep track of everything in your own head at once? then try to replicate that moment in the dramatic structure of a story. But you can't put any games in the story. It has to be a story that, about making the same kind of mistakes, making the same kind of edge play, and failing or succeeding in some ways and failing in others. Excellent. That sounds wonderful. All right. This has been one of our wildcard episodes. Next week, we will be back to discussing structure. So you've been given homework. Just a reminder. Uh, coming up next week, we will be talking about this again. For now, you are out of excuses. Now go right. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.